In the beginning was the word. See, you think uh, religion is for suckers and easy marks and mollycoddles, huh? It's just religion. You think Jesus is some kind of a sissy, eh? Jesus had guts. Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with writer, speaker and broadcaster Sheridan Voisey. Now Sheridan's worked in Australian radio for many years. He's now based in the UK. Uh, he's travelled the world as a speaker and written some fantastic stuff. We're going to find out a bit about his latest offering, Resurrection Year, real soon. But let's uh, find a, a bit about the man uh, behind the microphone, Sheridan Voisey. Welcome to the program, mate. How are you? Well, great to talk to you again, Matt. It is great to hear your voice. Now, I've heard you on the radio for many years, and uh, I've uh, followed your career. I've seen you pop around many different stations around the country over the years, and now you're in the UK. Uh, let's find out a bit of your history. Whereabouts were you born and raised, and what was life like for you as a young fellow? I'm a Brisbane boy, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I, I you know all my time I can think of uh, my little house in McGowie Drive in Cleveland, <laughs> and uh, you know, growing up um, as an only child for the first 13 years of my life, and then my one and only sibling, my brother, came along. So mm-hmm. there's you know a big gap between the, the two of us, and so really we we grew up as two only children in many ways because we were you know we grew up in completely different eras in many mm-hmm. ways. Um, so I remember you know growing up and um, being a fairly solitudinal child. I'd get up in the morning and go and play with the dog in the garage and, um, you know, very much used to solitary pursuits. And I think that's what makes a writer in the end. (laughs) And was faith a big part of your early life? In a very strange kind of way, I was raised... Uh, for the first few years, anyway, um, as my my parents were members of a very large, very well-known, very strict, very religious sect, uh, not of the mainstream Christian variety. Mm-hmm. In fact, they were um, missionaries, even, actually, in this sect. Mm-hmm. And uh, they then went through a period of 10 years where they started to doubt that faith, and then as a result of that, my mother discovered really who Jesus really was. Not that he was, he wasn't uh, just an angel, he actually was God in the flesh. And that brought a tremendous change in her life. I saw that when I was about 18 years of age. Um, but before that, really that 10 years that they were having their doubt period, well, I wasn't really raised as anything. They were just kind of hoping that, you know, if the end of the world came, that we might be able to all scrape into the to Armageddon. Um, so I was just kind of, you know, in, in limbo land in many ways. I saw the change in her and that that's when faith began to sprout in me. Mm, okay, and your radio career has been uh, many and varied, you know, places and talkback and uh, breakfast shows, morning shows. Tell us, uh, where did you first start in radio? I started off at 96.5 in Brisbane, mm-hmm. uh, back when it was a very, very tiny tin pot little shed of a radio station without a license, um, and with probably only two or three listeners. And I think <laughs> one of those listeners was a little lady named Judy Barry, who used to listen to my very early attempts at trying to be a radio announcer, and completely failing, I might just say, but every Sunday, Judy would come up to me in church and say, oh, Sheridan, I heard you on Thursday afternoon when you were, you know, doing your announcing. You've got such a great 
future ahead of you and you know God's going to use you and I tell you what I've got to say Matt I reckon it was her encouragement that kept me going because most of the time I was so atrocious <laughs> I would walk out of the studio most weeks saying I'm never going back but it was always her encouragement that kept me going back so yeah a bit of a miracle in its own uh, in own right well you should never underestimate uh, some encouragement uh, and uh, your career of course has you know tr- taken you to many places so where did you go to then after 96.5? After 96.5 um, so that of course that station grew to become um, a very professional and um, very popular station now and I was there for about five years seeing that growth happen and then I went over to Perth to a station called 98.5 Sunshine FM. I spent uh, five years on air there and then from that point on uh, after a year's writing and speaking I then went to Sydney to launch the Open House show which then was launched uh, on a number of stations and indeed um, played on a number of stations that would be listened to us right now. Well I do remember hearing many of your Open House interviews over the years and uh, like I know you've probably been asked this many many a time. This is what interviewers get asked all the time. Uh, What were your favourite interviews that you did? What were your standout interviews over those years at Open House? (laughs) Matt, I was hoping you wouldn't ask that because, you know, you're so right. I mean, it's it's the normal question to ask. I found it so difficult to answer that one because just in the Open House years. I think there was 1,500 interviews during that time alone, let alone, I think, probably another 500 interviews done in the years before that. So, you know, add all those up, those up uh, that's a lot of people to to try and sift through and try and uh, get a favourite. I mean, there's some people that are always fascinating. Tony Campolo is always fascinating as well as um, always controversial. Yes. You know, one, one guy that I have to say, which probably very few people will recognise the name of, um, but there is a fascinating musicologist uh, by the name of Jeremy Bigby. He came into Open House one night. We set up a keyboard in the corner of the studio, and I got him to play the gospel, the Christian story. Now, I don't mean play lyrics, sing lyrics, or anything like that. He used music to describe what the Bible's essential message is all about, how the world started off harmoniously, so he plays harmonious music, and then sin came into the world and ruined it, so he he starts playing discord, Uh, and then how Jesus comes into the world to redeem it, to put it back. But and so he plays this amazing music, and then the way that the Holy Spirit takes our lives and plays the same kind of you know, amazing grace story throughout your life, through my life, through all sorts of different lives, but in a slightly unique way. So he started playing Amazing Grace, the famous song, in a variety of different styles. I've never heard anything else like it, and it would have to go down as one of my favorites, even though probably nobody, nobody's ever heard of his name. <laughs> one of the most favorite interviews that I've ever heard or ever done. Well, you certainly have done some amazing interviews over the year. I know on my bookshelf I've got a couple of those, uh, Open House 1 and 2. Is there a 3 as well? Did I? There was a three that came out, which I'd have to say was the best volume. It didn't sell anywhere near as well as one and two. (laughs) That's a great shame. (laughs) Well, uh, of course, they're they're great interviews in print, and also they're on podcast too, aren't they? You've got them at your website for people if you want to search through them and listen through some of the gems of the years. That's the the awesome thing about technology these days, isn't it? You know, it's just so different to when I started in radio and, you know, even when you started in radio as well, Matt, you know, things have changed so much, haven't they? I mm. mean, just the whole digital revolution and now podcasting and everything, listening and on demand. I still love live radio. There is some magic about it, which you just don't get with a podcast. And yet, 
you don't have the moment lost the way you used to. Now mm. you can always go back to it. Now, I've been reading through some of the reviews of uh, this uh, new work you've been doing, Resurrection Year. Uh, you've been speaking on it. It's a, it's a fantastic book that's been released. And, I mean, just mentioning some of these names that have, that have reviewed it, Gary Chapman, the author of The Five Love Languages, Adrian Plass, one of the funniest, uh, wittiest Christian authors of all time, nearly as good as Sheridan Voisey, uh, <laughs> uh, Darlene Check, singer-songwriter from Hope Unlimited Church, formerly from Hillsong. Uh, you know, some, some brilliant reviews there. Um, how did you get all those guys to say these nice things about you, Sheridan? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's amazing what money will do. <laughs> no, they were just, they were very, very generous um, in taking a look at the book before it was released and then uh, getting back to me. And of course, you know, you're as an author, you approach a number of people mm. and a number of people get back to you and say, no, I can't do it right now. Or you don't hear back from them. But, you know, I'm just absolutely blessed that people like uh, Gary Chapman got back very, mm. very quickly after having a look at the book and uh, gave some lovely words about it. It's, it's a wonderful blessing. Well, it's a very um, hope-filled story uh, that you have brought to the table. Tell us a bit about the heart behind Resurrection Year. Well, the subtitle says it all, really, turning broken dreams into new beginnings. And the broken dream for my wife and I was that across all the years that you and I have actually just covered in those last few minutes, uh, for 10 of those years, when so, so many things were going really well for me, there was this other big part of our life that wasn't going well. And that's the fact that we were trying to start a family. And you name it, we tried it pretty much. I mean, we tried special diets. Uh, we tried healing prayer meetings, we tried IVF, we tried waiting for two whole years after almost a whole year of assessment on the Australian adoption list, never getting the phone call to come and pick up our child. Uh, we tried one kind of last round of IVF towards the end of 2010 with a very, very cruel twist at the end where we thought we actually had been successful. We then brought our dream of a family to an end on Christmas Eve of 2010. And Resurrection Year is really the story of what happens after that. The first chapter is, is kind of the horror year, and most people who read that um, find it very hard to read without tears in their eyes. Mm. And then the rest of the book is, is how we started again, how we had a Resurrection Year. And you mentioned Adrian Plass there. I would love to take credit for what is actually a brilliant title for a book, Resurrection Year. You couldn't buy one better than that. It's a brilliant title. <laughs> I wish I could take credit for it. It was Adrian's idea. Wow. I was talking to him, I was talking to him off air after the last interview I'd done with him on the Open House radio show. And he asked me how I was. And this was in November of 2010, before things were to get really bad. But things were already pretty bad by that stage. And I told him a little bit about our wilderness journey, as I, as I term it in the book, of trying all these things. Ten years, trying, waiting, praying for a child and never being able to get one. And he said, you know, in the Christian life, new life follows the death of something, just the way Jesus' resurrection followed his crucifixion. After hearing what you've just said, wouldn't it be wonderful if 2011 was your resurrection year? And I just thought, you know what, that's exactly what we need. And that's really where the book idea came from. Well, I've got shivers up my spine uh, hearing you share that story with us, yeah. Sheridan. Uh, it's quite a personal journey. Uh, how did your wife feel about you sharing this with the world? Yeah, it's a very good question. There's no way the book would have actually come into the world if uh, Marin hadn't been in agreement with it. Um, once we decided to have our resurrection here, uh, the next question was, well, what's that going to look like? And long story short, 
we then basically decided to go overseas because Marin in particular, she really wasn't doing well after 10 years, you can imagine, trying to be a mum, wanting to be a mum, never being able to be a mum. The only other thing that she'd really wanted to do was to live and work overseas. And so it seemed the right time to be able to give her that dream fulfilled. So we decided to move. Long story short, she gets a job offer at Oxford University, which is a pretty good gig to get. <laughs> and it was from that point on that we decided to move over to, uh, to, to England. When we got over here, we spent a weekend with Adrian and Bridget Plass. They invited us back to their home, and we spent a whole weekend in their home laughing, as you can imagine. Yeah. But also there was quite a few tears as the story came out. And it was, again, it was late on a Saturday night, and uh, Bridget had gone to bed and Marin had gone to bed and Adrian and I were sitting in front of the fire up in North Yorkshire, you know, freezing outside. I think it might have even been snowing. And uh, here we were, you know, uh, sipping a, a glass of port or something and talking about publishing. And since I'd left Australia, come to the UK, English publishers weren't interested in any of my writing or anything like that because they said, well, who's Sheridan Boise? Uh, radio stations weren't interested in me because they were saying, well, who's Sheridan Boise? All the, I guess all the things that had happened for me really positively in Australia weren't going to happen to me over here in the UK. It was proving to be quite difficult. And he said, you know what, have you thought about writing your story into a book? And I said, no, I haven't. I don't even know if I want to write a story about uh, this. I don't even know if I want to write a story about infertility. And he said, well, no, your, your story is much better bigger than infertility. It's about broken dreams and starting again. It's about holding on to God when you don't understand him. It's about a whole heap of things like that. I think that a lot of people could benefit from reading a story like that. And I thought about it a little bit more and I thought, well, Merrin's never going to agree to this. And uh, I was surprised when a few days later, when Merrin had really thought and prayed it through, she, a very private person, decided, you know what, I think this could be good for other people. And that's really how she agreed for the book to be um, told and our story to be told. And yeah, it mm. was then picked up by a very large US publisher and uh, the rest is history. Well, it really is an amazing story of uh, how God has been uh, walking with you guys through the midst of tragedy. And we all need to hear stories like that. You know, everyone has, you know, different tragedies and different storms in their lives. And you guys have, I mean, your marriage is strong, your, uh, your career is is you know God's blessing you? Uh, many doors are opening for you, and uh, I just wanted to say, you know, good on you for being so open and honest. Like it's like you've ripped your heart open and let us all in uh, with this story. Uh, it's uh, it must must have taken a lot of guts, hey? Thank you, thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. The, the, certainly, that's the probably the, the most common piece of feedback we're getting from people who are reading Resurrection Year and saying thank you for your honesty and your vulnerability. Because we do actually lay it out there. I mean, the story gets pretty rough in a number of places, and we thought, well, if we're going to tell the story, um, let's tell it as it really happened. And that meant there was going to be experiences of doubt yeah. that are going to be talked about. And there's going to be experiences of disappointment with God. Mm -hmm. The silence of God. You know, we prayed for all of those years and we felt God speak to us clearly about other things in our life. And when mm. it came to this one area of family, he just stayed completely silent. Mm. Now, I think we're starting to understand as to, to why he might have done that. But I don't know if we ever will. He's got his ways, and there has to be a point where you say, if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, and I've given him my life, well, one day he's going to actually take us up on the offer mm. and say, <laughs> well, if you've given me that right, I'm going to take it up, and I'm going to get you to do something that maybe you're not particularly 
keen on doing. It's going to be a little bit painful and a rocky road ahead, but we're going to bring some good stuff out of it together. Mm. That's what we're starting to see now is uh, people's lives starting to be really changed by the book. And it's all so surprising to me, Matt, because it, you know that was never part of the plan for me. Mm. Well, Sheridan, I, I just wanted to say one of my fondest memories of, of uh, you and I hanging out was when you visited uh, my church, uh, New Hope Brisbane, uh, in the middle yeah. of a university campus in, the, in a, this beautiful theatre, and uh, you preached a brilliant message. Uh, you're, you're a very gifted communicator. And I remember you got on your knees in the middle of the sermon and you were talking about the dark night of the soul, how people go through times of questioning and tough times, but it's okay because uh, God wants a relationship with us, and no matter what darkness we're going through, he's still going to be the light in the midst of that darkness, and uh, clearly you're still bringing that message uh, in uh, wherever you're communicating, whether it be through your books, whether it be through your speaking, uh, through your radio podcasts. Uh, You know, it is just such a blessing to catch up with you today, so thank you so much uh, for sharing your heart with us. Now, mate, before we go, um, you're going to be out in Australia in October, I understand, is it for five weeks? Indeed, looking so forward to it. It's going to be Brisbane, Sydney, Perth uh, so far, and uh, a very, very packed schedule. So I do look forward to catching up with people then. And you're going to be doing what, book signings or speaking? There's there's speaking, there's conferences, there's uh, church services, there's book signings in a number of uh, bookstores and a number of media interviews as well. So something on pretty much every day for those five weeks. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, we're hopefully uh, going to be catching up with you then. And if people want to find out more, the website is SheridanVoise.com. Uh, there you'll find all the information for Resurrection Year. Also, uh, Sheridan's on Twitter, Facebook. You'll find him on social media. And uh, really just wanted to say, mate, thank you so much for uh, staying up so late in the UK and having a chat with us today. And uh, looking forward to seeing you back down under. Yeah, good on you, Matt. Thanks for all you do, mate. And uh, thanks for continuing to fan the flame of quality Christian broadcasting. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to hear this interview again, just go to historymakersradio.com. There you can download interviews, subscribe to the podcast, make a donation, find out about our YouTube channel, and maybe connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Just go to historymakersradio.com for more. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ through conversation to the nations of the world. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Matt Prater. Why don't you go and make history? History Makers.